Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Straight Talk Recovery with myself, Adam Kostiv, and Raymond Moore. We welcome you back to the second session here, and today's topic is going to be anger. Ray, would you like to lead off? Oh, what a great topic. I'm, I absolutely love this one today. I'm coming into it and very excited to talk about this one. I'm sitting at home with three kids who are doing online schooling. So th th this is going to be a helpful one even for me. So mm -hmm. um, it, it's definitely hands down one of the most spoken about topics, at least with the population of people uh, that I work with. Most oftentimes, anger uh, is, is misunderstood. And, and what I mean by that is that a lot of times people try to figure out ways of how to actually deal with their anger rather than really looking at the sources of where that anger is coming from, how that manifests in their life, how that affects relationships. And really, that's what we're going to be getting into today, not just your 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 stereotypical anger management techniques, walk away, take a breath, mm -hmm. but also looking at where's that anger coming from? Because I think for a lot of people, they don't really understand that anger is something you can work on and, and, and eliminate to some extent, and that it's not a chronic, you know, state of emotion that, um, you know, you're just an angry person and you got to accept that and mm -hmm. try not to you know, let it get the best of you. But really, there, there's a way of actually looking at um, what's driving that anger, what's causing that anger, right? right. So, yeah, exactly. And we're going to take a look at how far back anger comes from in our uh, our lives. And anger just doesn't appear in our adult lives or our teenage lives. It actually, we start learning about anger as a child. And how all of a sudden it's different emotions come up and how it gets expressed as anger. And at a young age, if we're not taught how to cope with other emotions, then we learn that anger is a valid way of expressing those other emotions. Definitely. And w one of the things, um, this usually hits home with a lot of people. Uh, many people come from an environment where they're taught to kind of suck up their emotions mm -hmm. or you know, move on or don't let it get to you. And, and all those very deflective uh, statements made by those in our life that basically tell us to get away from the actual emotion we're feeling. And and one of the interesting things is when I talk to a lot of the people I work with is, is many of them can relate to having that person in their life that basically told them to suck it up. And the, the one commonality with those people that often teach other people to suck it up the one emotion that they don't seem to be able to suck up very well is anger, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of times the role modeling of sucking it up leads to um, anger because if you're not actually dealing with the primary emotion, and I know, and, and Adam, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I know a lot of times therapists define anger as being a secondary emotion. And what typically that means is that there's more happening than um, say with the primary emotions, if that makes any sense. So sure. if, if, if you're sucking it up and you're not dealing with those emotions, essentially it manifests into anger. So right. if I'm not doing well emotionally in many other areas of my life, typically what's going to happen is the emotions have to go somewhere. And I, I've said this to the toughest populations that, that I've worked with is mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter how tough you are. Your emotions are much tougher and they're going to get you one way or another. If that comes out in anger, which it typically does. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, just to add to that, there is, you know, another way that we hear a lot of therapists and other people talk about, they'll talk about not just as a secondary or they'll also call it a substitute emotion. 
right? And it's because it's one of the first things we learn and we feel and express. So a great example I use with a lot of people is that child who's building that those blocks as a, you know, they're two years old, whatever the age may be, and they're building blocks and they fall over. What they're actually feeling is frustration. Yet when they pick up the block and throw it, it's, it is an expression almost of anger. And if they're not taught at an early age that it's frustration, not anger, then they believe that that's the way they react and that's a uh, viable way for them to move forward. Like you said, it's a learning process. Emotions are what we learned uh, in our childhood going up. So if we're taught not to understand our emotions, not to express our emotions, then of course, you know, the the great one we hear with all our therapists here is, you know, uh, emotional vocabulary, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't, if you're not able to actually recognize what's going on with you, well, the go-to is anger, right? And so all of a sudden anger becomes the catch-all emotion for everything, And that's how it gets expressed. So you may be frustrated, you may be sad, you may have fear, yet it's coming out as anger because that is what you've become comfortable with. Exactly. I I, I know I know when I I often ask this in the in our group sessions when, when we're running the group sessions, is I ask that question, how many of you struggle with your emotions or how many of you struggle to recognize the emotions you're feeling in the in the moment? And um, the vast majority usually put up their hand. And then I usually ask them, um, how many of you find it very easy to experience anger? And they all, their hands go up very, very (laughs) quickly, right? (laughs) So the thing with anger, and and again, I mean, if you're not expressing your emotions, how how do you really adequately communicate your needs? Mm -hmm. So a lot of times it gets very confusing because people are are kind of projecting through anger. and obviously for the recipient, I mean, it's intimidating, it's it's scary, it could be, you know, whatever it may be. Um, but ultimately, if you're not used to actually opening up and sharing your emotions or, or being vulnerable, then what ends up happening is that you tend to start using anger to have your needs met. So although right. it may be, you know, a, you may view it as being something malicious that the person is unnecessarily frustrated or angry at me typically underneath that lies this uh, genuine desire to actually be able to express, you know, what needs may be uh, missing or whatever it may be. And if you don't have the ability to open up and be vulnerable and say, Hey, like, this is what's actually happening for me. It's going to come up. It's going to come across with anger. Right. So you used a great word there, vulnerable, because that's, you know, at the core being vulnerable is what's happening here is we're using uh, uh, anger to distract ourselves from what we're feeling, what all the other uh, emotions are going on. And so we're actually using it in a lot of cases so that we don't feel vulnerable. We don't have to deal with that. But the thing is, even when we use anger to distract ourselves from that feeling of vulnerability, at some level, we still feel vulnerable. It's still there inside of us. We're just not dealing with it. We're not validating ourselves. We're not recognizing it, allowing ourselves uh, to be able to cope with it. And it just builds up. It just stays inside. It's not uh, just because we're expressing anger doesn't mean that that feeling of vulnerability actually leaves us. Exactly. 
the um the the one thing is funny even even the fact that we're saying it back and forth anger and vulnerability yeah. not really synonymous with each other and yeah. it very much should be right um i i know one of the hardest things to get through to people especially those that do struggle with with their emotions is that the whole notion of holding back your emotions so that you're not making yourself vulnerable for people to come in and and hurt you. So the more I hold back my emotions, the more um, unlikely it is that somebody is going to be able to hurt me or take advantage of me or whatever it may be. It's actually the opposite of of what we've been taught for for many many years. Is that really the the sucking up and then the not talking about what's actually happening is is actually the weakness. So mm-hmm. so I know for a lot of people, I mean, I definitely come from, I don't know if I want to make this a generational thing, I'll, I'll personalize this for a second, but I know in my life, like you were, that was being tough, yeah. right? That was being <laughs> strong and that was being this. Um, and it wasn't until really, until I did my own work that I realized, well, wait a minute. No, it's a, it's actually the extreme opposite, mm-hmm. right? For for me, and at least what I've learned in in working with people, but also in my own personal recovery, is that the toughest guys are the ones that actually can get out there and say, you know what, I'm I'm not doing good, right? Like I, you know, I'm missing my my little girl, or I'm missing my 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 son, or whatever it may be, and and you know, it really hurts, and not actually being afraid mm-hmm. of what other people are going to say about it or how they're going to see me. Um, and I have really come to realize that vulnerability is the strength. So yes. if you want to be a tough guy for all of our listeners out there, then, then get vulnerable. That's right. And I know that sounds very, very challenging and very difficult. But at the end of the day, getting vulnerable is 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 recovery and it, it's progress. Right. And when you talk to people about oh, what would it take for you to be able to do that? And their answer usually is it's terrifying. It, it, yes. Right. And again, like you said, that's what takes guts. That's what, you know, takes the person to step up and not do the difficult things. And that is a difficult thing, right? And so we've got anger here, right? And whether it's justified or not, right? It, it, it At that moment in time, it's giving us this feeling of righteousness that's associated with the anger, right? Which is so powerful, but it's temporary, right? So that's that temporary boost of self-esteem. I'm right it's all about me. You know, you're wrong. It's all about trying to make myself feel better in the moment and distract myself. Right. But we have to remember what I tell my own daughter. And it's important like, is emotions are temporary. Okay. They do not last. What you're feeling right now is not what you're going to feel an hour from now or two hours from now necessarily. Yes. Sometimes there's something going on. It may last longer, uh, say the grieving process or whatever, but there, it's finite. It's going to end. You may feel it again, and it feel, which makes it feel like it's happening all the time. But there is an expiration date to that emotion in that, and that's what you have to remind yourself. Yeah, and and you know, you you brought up a, a really good point. Is is I think a lot of people get really wrapped up with anger being a, actually a part of their identity. So I'm an angry person, or people are afraid of me, and they really get wrapped up with this this persona. But that mm-hmm. but that's exactly right. It, it it's a very when you really look at it, it's a very short lived thing, 
right? Um, I think with anger, and you, you hit a, a word that I use very, very often when I talk about anger is justified anger. So I, I'm not sure the approach you typically take, but I usually have, you know, unjustified anger and justified anger. And w one of the examples I give is one of the things that makes me the most amount of angry, and I know this is going to sound like I'm joking or I'm exaggerating, is something as simple as Costco parking lots. Like that absolutely makes me like nuts, yeah. absolutely makes me nuts, right? And every time I'm in that situation, I start getting a typical stress response to what is mm -hmm. like what's actually in front of me, people not parking correctly, inconsiderate people, et cetera, et cetera. So what I actually do is I get very, very amped up and then, you know, I have a poor experience. I want to get in there. I want to get out and, and, you know... It, is that really a justifiable anger? No, because mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I can go to a different store. I can avoid Costco. Um, I can park down the street. I, I mean, there's many ways of getting out of that situation. Right. When we talk about justified anger, I mean, Adam, right now, if you jumped through the screen somehow and punched me in the face, I mean, that's definitely a justifiable reason to be upset or to, to be angry. But I think for a lot of people, we struggle to stop and really look at why am I actually angry? Mm -hmm. and, and and I love that you brought up your, your daughter because I, I know for me, you know, I, at work, I've really established the skill of, you know, being able to regulate myself, professionalism, so on and so on. And then when I when you come home, you're a little bit weaker, right? <laughs> so you so you come in, you get a little bit irritated, you get a little bit upset. And, you know, I found myself personally, you know, in a situation with my wife where, you know, just, you know, a, a very small thing kind of gets me upset, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm talking about, you know, a, a jar of mustard maybe being left out or just something very, very silly. And I find myself actually having like a, a very strong response to the fact the mustard was was, mm. was left out, right? Um, and what people need to understand is a lot of these times when you're actually feeling these physical responses happening within your body, because when we get angry, we start to, we, we have the stereotypical, you know, we tense up, we flag right. or, or we sweat or it's different for everybody. But one of the things that, that I've learned and I really work through with the people I work with is really getting them to ask themselves this very, very basic question is what am I actually angry at. Ah. And when you actually start to ask yourself that question, you may be surprised of what you see. And and a lot of times what you'll see is like, I mean, in my mustard scenario, 99.9, heck, 100% of the time, it's typically because, you know what, I, I'm tired. Like mm -hmm. I had a rough day at work or um, perhaps there was additional stress today that happened. Uh, whatever it may be, that really has nothing to do with the mustard or does it have anything to do with um, my wife. Mm -hmm. So uh, a lot of times just stopping and asking yourself, like, really, what, what, what am I angry about? Mm -hmm. Am I actually angry at this person? Or I'm, or am I angry at how I'm feeling right mm -hmm. now? Right? Do I need rest? Right. Like, do I need, you know, so I think it's always important to kind of stop and actually check in with yourself. Because for me, and I'll speak personally for right. me, the vast majority of time I'm upset or angry has nothing to do with the person standing in front of me or even the situation that's in front of me. It's typically my perspective or uh, how I'm feeling in that moment mm -hmm. that leads to that emotion, right. which, which is on me. It's not up to my wife and it's not on anybody else to, to deal with, right? And, and on the flip side of that as well, I want to talk, and I, I'm glad you brought up about talking personally because this is an this is a forum where me and you actually get to talk more personal than we than we really can with uh, clients and people in front in front of us. 
But we have, remember also, the closer the people are to us, the more we feel, the more we can get uh, those emotions coming up. So in my example that I've worked through and I've and it was very difficult for me was even, you know, think of your own, say, a mother or a parent. Right. As, as they get older and stuff like that. For me, it was uh, getting angry, and I recognized that it was frustration about something going on. And that anger that I was feeling, whatever, was, I realized, was my own inability to deal with that frustration and allow it to roll away, where all of a sudden, you know, I could be working with a client and it could be, you know, uh, I may feel frustrated, but I can keep working. I can't, I don't show it as anger. I may, you know, have a colleague and, and I'm able to work through that. And in, what I hear so often is how come I can have so much patience with these patients, <laughs> with these people, yet with my own family, my patient is so short lived. <laughs> and that brought me thinking is like, wow, you know, who are the people in my life that I have the least patience for? And I realized it's the ones closest to the, the ones I've known the longest, the longer you know them is, you know, there's because there's expectations as well, right? That we have these expectations going into it where someone we meet on the street may have more a little bit more patience with them because there is no expectation. With a family member, like a mother, right, you're going in and going, oh, she's not going to be doing this or she's going to be doing this again. You're, you're prepped. You're, you're, you're already lined up ready for it to allow that frustration before you even walk the door, but you're not even recognizing it. And so it's our family members. We have to remember that. And again, because we are talking about anger specifically today, but we're talking about addiction we're talking about uh in the whole big picture is it doesn't happen in a cocoon it doesn't happen in a vacuum it affects everybody around us right and a lot of times it's those interactions right and why we're so angry with other people and the other thing we hear all the time too is oh you know what really you know it's a projection i'm angry at myself so we have yeah. we have to take a look at you know okay how, why are you angry with yourself or or do you how often do you actually allow yourself to recognize that you're you're actually mad about yourself? Like you said, Ray, when you go in, you realize it's not about the mustard. It's about what's gone through your day. Okay, that's the important part. Understanding, you know, why am I angry here, right? Where's this coming? Where's my other emotions coming? Where's the frustration, the rejection, the humiliation, the hurt, whatever else is behind there? Right. And, the, and the ability to be able to recognize that and to start practicing that skill. Mm -hmm. And I, I think throughout the podcast, you're going to hear that a lot. We're going to be referring to practicing skills. And that's definitely a skill to really start looking at mm -hmm. is checking in with yourself. So I did, and I want to make sure I didn't kind of knock um, at the beginning of the group when I said, you know, a, a lot of times stereotypically we ask people to, to walk away. I mean, in that period of time when you're walking away to cool down from a situation, it's expected that you're processing what, what it is that's happening. So it is during that time you really use to check in with yourself. And although you may be upset or you may feel heated, be able to check in with yourself and return back to the situation. A lot of times people walk away from the situation. And what this does is it breeds what we call resentment. Mm -hmm. right so what ends up happening and again i mean a lot of people use um 
anger and resentment interchangeably when they don't necessarily mean the same thing. So a lot, just to make it clear for resentment, resentment is to keep it as simple as possible so it really resonates and, and sits in your head, is resentment basically means to re-feel something over and over and over again. So in a situation, you may be angry, but if you're still feeling angry a week and a half later, that has now become a resentment right? So refeeling it over and over again really doesn't fix the problem. Mm -hmm. It just leads to more moments of actually being mm -hmm. angry. So it's important in those moments to really do that work on yourself. And maybe it's a justifiable anger. Maybe you're upset because somebody actually did cause some sort of harm or threat to you. And, and that's, that's a separate thing. But, but nevertheless, if it's one of those moments where you do realize when you walk away, because I think all of us on some level, when we're when we're a little pumped up, we do kind of, there's a piece of us that do understand maybe I'm overreacting just a little bit mm -hmm. to this situation. And it's in that moment we do that check-in with ourselves. Right. And we do it kindly. We do it kindly. So we, we, we don't do it if, if we have that moment. And I know for a lot of people, um, they expect when they leave treatment or they're done therapy that they're going to go home and just just be perfect at everything they do. I mean, if you get home and you have a moment and, you know, you, you slam the newspaper down on the floor and, and kind of you're having a moment, walk away from the situation and really look at what happened. Mm. And then more importantly, come back and own that. Because, uh, Adam, you said, you said it really well. I mean, anger affects more than just us. It affects those around us. So even if it is something as simple as me slamming a newspaper to the floor, those that are witnessing that um, are, are intimidated, that they could feel afraid, they could feel whatever. So it's important to come back and own that behavior by saying, you know what, I, I'm sorry, I overreacted. I realize what's happening for me is this and, and allow yourself to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And what that actually does is it creates a culture, at least within your family and those around you. Um, and it really starts to show that change, right? It really starts to show that you're responding to these situations mm -hmm. um, better and healthier, right. right? And I think, you know, uh, because the time is rolling around here, uh, is that we should also add that anger is also the one topic we haven't talked about anger is it's a substitute. We use anger so often so that we don't feel pain, right? Is that, that's the one we didn't talk about yet. And that's, you know, those painful emotions. We have to recognize that there are emotions and they can't, they are painful and we have to be able to recognize that as well is that certain things that we feel are painful in our lives. Avoiding them doesn't mean that we're not going to experience them, right? So by distracting ourselves with anger, it, all it does is delaying the inevitable. We at some point have to deal with our pain, right? If we want to move forward, if we want to recover, if we want to uh, repair relationships, if we want which is a great segue to our next podcast, of course, which will be re uh, relationships, is we have to deal with our pain so that we can move forward, that we can work on forgiveness for ourselves, forgiveness for others. We uh, need to validate ourselves, which is a word I'll use often, uh, and legitimize it, recognize that it is something that is happening to us in the moment. And and thank you for touching on it. I mean, that that's absolutely huge. Mm -hmm. we, we we talked in the beginning about dealing with those unresolved emotions. Mm -hmm. Most often, I mean, I think the best way to characterize 
um, all of that is pain. And I think that's the most common thing that, that we hear is, is all, a lot of what's happening under the surface are not pleasurable emotions. Yeah, that's right. right? They're not, <laughs> they're not typically excitement, elation, all that, all that fun stuff. Yeah. It, it is typically pain. Yeah. And, and I think that's the best way of, of understanding it. Um, j- just a quick story, if you don't mind, Adam, um, it, to really kind of, round out the importance of really addressing your anger. And I did kind of touch on it as we were going on, um, uh, how it actually affects other people. And and this is where it, it, it gets very challenging. Because again, if anger is coming from pain, and it's coming from um, unresolved emotions, you would expect on some level for those around you to be compassionate and understanding about that. But that can only go so far, right? And I'll give you a particular example uh, of something that I witnessed that really let me see the impact of people's anger on on those around them. So I remember working many years ago, I was working in a, a family program and I was dealing with this this young kid and this kid was talking about being afraid of his dad. And that's how he just, he he said it. He said, I'm only afraid when he's angry. When he's not afraid, I love him and he's my hero. And the, just just the language that the, that this young man used was absolutely um, well beyond his years. He probably had to grow up fairly quick considering some right. situations, right? But nevertheless, so he, he, he shared a story with me and it forever stuck with me was he said that he would get really excited because his dad came home in the evening, um, six or seven o'clock, whatever it was. <clears throat> and he talked about he would often go to the door five minutes before his dad got home and he would peek through the blinds, right? So he would peek through the blinds and watch his driveway. And like clockwork, his dad would come home at the same time all the time. And he would sit and watch through the blinds. And what he was looking for wasn't just sheer excitement that, you know, dad's on his way home. He was actually assessing the situation. And and again, when I say he was young, he was very, very young to to really be in the state he was in and he was peeking out the blinds and what he was looking for was was his father's hair right and i know that sounds very bizarre but the kid had became so hypersensitive to when his dad was angry and actually understood that when his dad was angry he had this anxious tendency to kind of pull his hair or to run his hands through his hair so if dad's hair was unkempt he ran to his room if when he came home, because his dad was very, um, you know, very particular about combing his hair, if his dad's hair was combed, then he would actually open the door and run out and greet his hero. Mm. Right. So I, I, I was able to do some work with the father later on. And this forever really got him to look at how much it actually impacts people. And for me, honestly, I looked at it and I was like, wow, they, how hypersensitive this child could be and attentive uh, Mm -hmm. to this grown man, a a person that, you know, at this stage of his life, he should really be looking out for the safety of, of his son rather than kind of vice versa. Um, But essentially, it was really all about the hair. The kid became so sad, and it was all about his anger. Right. Because when his dad came home, if he had a bad day, it became the family's yeah. bad day, right? And then after so long, I mean, the family can only take so much of even being compassionate and understanding that all these stressors that are happening for you, we can understand. But as time goes on, that anger, frustration, that fear of of not feeling safe 
within my own community of the people that I love becomes so much to the point where the people that you love at some point won't be there when you get home. Right. Okay. So again, we're talking about relationship. We're talking about family, which is the segue uh, for our next uh, session. So I hope that you've enjoyed this uh, session with me, Adam and Ray uh, of Straight Talk uh, Recovery. And we hope you join us for our next podcast, which will be about relationships. Uh, in particular. So once again, this has been Straight Talk Recovery with Adam Costive and Raymond Moore. And remember, keep talking. Thanks and good night. Bye, everybody.